What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life, featuring the exposit story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. Baldhead Bible Podcast is committed to keeping our show free to the public. However, as with everything, there are expenses involved, so if you would like to contribute, head on over to patreon.com, that's patreon.com forward slash baldhead bible, and there you can become a supporting member for as low as $1 a month. While there, please check out some of the bonus material available only to our BHBP supporters. And some of that material includes Bible study guides to help you use the podcast to minister to your children, to minister in a Sunday school class, and to have some quality family devotions. Have you ever taken on a project or a job that seems incredibly daunting? You know, have your parents ever asked you to clean up your room and your room is six foot deep in Legos and you know it's going to take forever? Or has your boss ever asked you to complete this huge project with very little time and you know the amount of work that it's going to take and it just seems daunting? Well, if you have ever faced a task that seems impossible or too huge for you to accomplish, then I have a story for you today. Nehemiah was faced with that same daunting problem. He had to rebuild the walls around Jerusalem. And these walls had to surround the city of Jerusalem at the time, which meant the walls would have to have been 1.7 miles long, or maybe even as long as 2 miles long. And they were probably 35 to 40 feet high, and 25 feet thick at the bottom, 13 to 15 feet thick near the top. What a daunting task! Can you imagine having to rebuild that wall? You know, you sorting and putting away all your Legos and all the hundreds and thousands of pieces that you have in your six foot deep on your bedroom floor doesn't even compare. I mean, think about it. You have to make it out of stone, huge blocks of stone. It might be easy to put them in place at the bottom, but the higher you move up, the more difficult it becomes. You're going to have to put huge blocks of stone on a wall at 30 feet high in the air. Now think about it. A basketball hoop is 10 feet high off the ground. So you're going to have to go three or four basketball hoops high with this massive stone. And what if you're afraid of heights? And how do you get the massive stone up there? And then you've got to do 1.7 to 2 miles of this? Now Nehemiah had to accomplish this task. How are you going to do that? Well, he started with a rallying speech, which we talked about last week. He gathered the leaders of the people, if you remember, and he said three things. The current position we are in is bad. 
You can do much to make it safer. And God is with us every step of the way. After hearing this short challenge, the people said, yes, we will do it. Awesome. But now that you've rallied the people and now that you have them on your team, how do you do that? Well, this is where the planning genius of Nehemiah comes in. So Nehemiah was a smart guy who was very good at tasting food. Those are two things we know for sure about him. But now we see another gift the Lord has given him. The ability to plan and organize. Now remember, the Bible says that God has given his people gifts or talents, and you all have one, freely given to you by God. Romans 12, 6-7 says, According to the grace given to us, we, the church, have different gifts. The people in the church, right? We all have different gifts. If prophecy, use it according to the proportion of one's faith. If service, use it in service. If teaching, in teaching. If exhorting, in exhortation. Giving with generosity. Leading with diligence. Showing mercy with cheerfulness. Romans 12, 6 through 8. The Bible also says in James chapter 1, verse 17, that all of our gifts are from God. Every good and perfect gift is from above. In other words, the talents that you have, the gifts, the abilities, all of them are good, and they're perfect from above, coming down from the Father of lights who does not change like shifting shadows. By his own choice, he gave us birth by the word of truth so that we would be a kind of first fruits of his creation. First fruits of his creatures. James 1, 17 through 18. So every talent, the Bible says, every ability you have was given to you by God, and it is good. And God expects you to use it for him in some way. You need to use it at your local church, among the body of Christ first. And, and then you need to use it to bless the larger community God has placed you into, your family, the city, the town, the school district. The town where you live should see the fruit of your talents and gifts given to you by God. They should see it. You should be involved using your gifts to, to better the community around you. Well, one of Nehemiah's talents was organization and leadership. He had the ability to lead people and organize them in such a way that together they could accomplish great things. Some people think Nehemiah was one of the best ever at this thing called organization. Judging by the way my desk looks, I don't think that's my gifting from the Lord. But Nehemiah, it is. And so Nehemiah... He looked at the task, and as all great leaders, he began by breaking it down into manageable tasks. He broke the wall down into sections and gave those sections to people. In particular, he gave them to groups of people who would care about those particular sections the most. And who are those people? The people who lived nearby or had a business by those sections of the wall. So he gave the wall near the temple to the high priests and his people. He gave a section to Dave and his family, and to Boris and his family, and to Steve and his family. He gave another section, and then the next section, because they all lived in that region. He gave one section, the Bible says, to Benjamin and Hashuab, right outside their house. He also gave sections, I think, again, based on businesses and 
where that family lived and operated their business. He gave one to Uziel, a goldsmith, and Hananiah, the perfumer. I wonder if that section just smelled great. I will admit one particular shout-out goes to a fellow named Malkiah. I think I just butchered his name. But Malkiah, son of Rahab. Why do I give a particular shout-out to him? Because this poor fellow had to repair the dung gate. Basically, the poop gate, where people took all their poop and refuse and all the nasty stuff and walked it through that gate and chucked it into the Kidron Valley. I mean, I think that would have been the worst gate of all to have to fix. Now, maybe Malchiah was picked because Nehemiah thought, you know what, you're my least favorite dude, I'm giving you the worst gate. Or maybe he worked the fastest, you know, he could get it done with and out of there. Or maybe Malchiah had no sense of smell, and so he wouldn't have smelled anything. I don't know, but the work was progressing. Things were going well for Nehemiah and the people. The repairing and building of the wall was finally moving forward. And then it happened. Trouble arose. A big, ugly problem reared its big, ugly head, and it came in the form of a man named Sanballat, and another man named Tobiah, and another man named, well, he's named simply the leader of a league of Arab nations. So I'll call him Dave. So taken together, these three men formed a geographical threat. Sanballat represented Samaria and a threat from the north. They could attack Jerusalem from the north. And the Samarians, later on, these people would become the Samaritans. But Sanballat led this group from Samaria, from the north, who were mad at the progress being made on the wall. Tobiah represented a threat from the south and the Ammonites and a bunch of other tribes that he led, that he had conquered, and together they could attack him from the south. And then Dave and his League of Arabian Nations represented a threat from the east. The only direction left for Nehemiah to run would have been west, but that was closed off by the Mediterranean Sea. And later, a group of leaders from towns in that region, rose up to oppose Nehemiah and his work just as well. So Sanballat, Tobiah, Dave, and the League of Arabian Nations, and then those towns around the Mediterranean Sea, so north, south, east, west. Essentially, Nehemiah finds himself surrounded on all sides by people who hate him who hate the Jewish people and the work they're accomplishing. Now, this threat begins with Sanballat and Tobiah mocking Nehemiah. They began by simply calling him names. They were trying to discourage him. Their initial attempts to stop the work sounds more like middle school bullying than a real threat to the people of Israel. I mean, Sanballat begins by making fun of them and calling them weak and pitiful. And the thing is, when he made those comments, he wasn't even there. He didn't even see the wall. He didn't even see Nehemiah. He was probably back in Samaria in his hometown. Because the Bible says he mocks the Jewish people and Nehemiah in front of the whole army of Samaria. 
I mean, Sanballat is a powerful man. He commands a whole army. And he begins, this powerful man, by simply mocking Nehemiah and the work. He basically says that there is no way they're going to turn those burnt bricks and rocks into a wall. <laughs> then Tobiah joins in. Now, he must have been in the room to join in the mocking, but he also must have been there or gone to Jerusalem to see the actual wall at some point because his mocking is way more specific than Sanballat's. He says the wall that they're building seems so weak that if a little bitty fox jumped on the wall, the whole thing would come tumbling down. <laughs> Good grief. I mean, these aren't even creative insults. I mean, wow, that fox wisecrack really hurt. Oh, man, that was terrible. I mean, probably not. These don't sound frightening at all in terms of mockery. These all seem pretty weak. But the thing is, even though these men aren't that great at insults, these men are powerful men who have control over powerful forces. Sanballat can raise an army and come and, and threaten Jerusalem and kill many of the people. Tobiah controls many of the cities that Nehemiah is dependent upon for some of the routes, some of the trading routes for food and goods to get to Jerusalem, and Tobiah could just cut all that off. Sanballat and Tobiah, though they're bad at mocking and making fun of Nehemiah, they are good and very powerful at using their influence to get other nations around Jerusalem to hurt Nehemiah and his people. Sanballat, Tobiah, Dave, and the League of Arabian Nations, these are bad men. These are scary times for Nehemiah. Well, Nehemiah and the people of Israel... They don't listen to their mockery, and instead they just keep right on building. Well done, Israel. They work from early in the morning, all day. The Bible says until the stars started to come out. So essentially they worked all day and only quit when it got too dark to not see what you're hammering or chiseling, right? Nehemiah also told the people, to not listen to the jesting and the mocking of Sanballat and Tobiah. He wasn't only just a great organizer. He was a great man of God. And here's the key. He kept the people focused on who they were serving. And that's God. That's Yahweh. He kept the people focused on who they were serving. When these insults started coming in, Nehemiah immediately turned in prayer. He didn't start a social media campaign to retaliate. He did not rip them a new one on Twitter or Instagram. But instead, right, he turns to God in prayer. He asks God to defend them and to help them in the fight. Well, the people keep on working. And when Sanballat and Tobiah heard that the people had not quit and instead had a will to work, and because of that will to work, guess what? The people completed half the wall. 
Now remember, the wall would be in the end 40 feet high, so the people in the middle of all that mocking, all that jesting, they kept on working and completed from the ground up halfway. They, they completed 20 feet of the wall all the way around. Yes! I'm sure the people began to high-five each other. They all thanked Nehemiah and his incredible leadership. Things were moving forward, but... Sanballat and Tobiah and Dave, the head of the Arabian League of Nations, would not quit. And instead, they took it to the next level. They threatened to invade Jerusalem and to kill the people of Israel. You know, I can imagine Nehemiah is working on the wall when someone from one of the surrounding cities comes in and tells him, have you heard the news? Have you heard the news? No, says Nehemiah. Well, Sanballat says he's going to attack and kill all of us, all of us working on the wall. What? Nehemiah thinks, what? And then here comes someone else giving him the same bad news. And then someone else over and over. It says in the Bible that people started coming in with great numbers to tell them that Sanballat and Tobiah were ready to attack. That their very lives were under threat. When people heard this, that's when they started to become deeply afraid. You are now under the constant threat of being killed as you worked on the wall. One of the archers from the army of Sanballat could shoot an arrow and kill you as you worked on the wall, essentially snipe you off the wall. One of the men from Dave's army of Arabia or Tobiah's army could sneak in under the cover of dark and then hide behind the rubble and in the morning leap out and kill you. So every day when you went to work, you were afraid. You or your daughter or your wife or whoever's working on the wall with you. Remember, they worked as a family unit many times. And one of your precious children could be killed. That's a lot of fear and pressure and stress to work under day after day. What was Nehemiah to do? Well, the first thing he did was to pray. He turned to the God of heaven as his only source of hope and prayed. And then, after praying, then spoke to the people, encouraged them to not give up and to keep working and to focus on God. Yahweh is their only hope. He specifically said, don't be afraid of them. Remember the great and awe-inspiring Lord and fight for your countrymen, your sons and daughters, your wives and homes, Nehemiah 4 verse 14. Don't forget, remember the great and awe-inspiring Lord. He turned to God in prayer and then he reminded the people, this is what we're working for. This is who we trust in, the great and awe-inspiring Lord. And then... Then he took practical steps to protect the people. He told each family to split their workforce into halves. One half would work on the wall while the other half would hide among the rubble, ready to jump out and stab an enemy or shoot an arrow at the enemy or take an enemy out in hand-to-hand -hand combat. Now, this slowed down the work, but it protected the people, and this was something Nehemiah had to do, right? It may have slowed down the work, but he has to protect his people. Nehemiah then sends out an announcement. He adds that the people 
carrying materials back and forth to the wall, helping the people who are building on the wall. The people carrying the materials, which would probably be me, because that's the only talent I have. I don't really have any actual structural engineering talent, but I'm good at lifting things. So this would have been me. And Nehemiah says, all you people carrying materials, that when you do, you're to carry the material in one hand and have a sword ready in the other hand. So while the people doing the work on the wall were to work, they have to have two hands to do the work, right? Well, they can do that, Nehemiah says, but you better have a sword on your hip or a sword by your side because you've got to get ready if something bad happens to drop that brick, to drop that hammer and chisel and to turn and fight, right? So the people carrying the material actually carries a sword. The people working on the wall have a sword on the hip, a sword on their side. And Nehemiah also adds a man with a ram's horn. And this man follows Nehemiah wherever Nehemiah went. So if one section of the wall or one family was attacked, then Nehemiah would hear about it and he'd go running to help. And once there, the dude with the ram's horn would blow his horn. And the rest of Israel was to stop everything they were doing and come running to the sound of the ram's horn, prepared to fight. And then some of the people, after working, would then stay up all night on guard. The people were on continual watch, continually ready to go into action. It says in the book of Nehemiah that some days... Man, some days you, you didn't even get out of your clothes and you just you just slept in the clothes you went to work in. You had to work all day and then you had to defend all night and then you just took a nap or two when you could. You just slept in the clothes you worked. Then you got up and you went back to work the next day. This was exhausting, but this was good and the work never stopped and the people were protected. And in the end, Sanballat, Tobiah, Dave the Arabian leader and those people from the towns near the Mediterranean Sea, they ended up doing nothing. They never attacked. The Bible says because of all the precautions that the people had put in place, that Nehemiah had wisely put together, because of all those precautions, the attacking nation's plans were frustrated. And in the end, it was all bluster with no action. So the work is progressing and moving forward. The people are building and working and ready to fight at the drop of a hat. If Sanballat and the rest of them ever attempted anything, they're ready to fight. They had built halfway up and now they got to keep moving upwards and onwards. But then, just as the work seems to be nearing completion, another problem rears its ugly head. But this problem... Well, has nothing to do with Sanballat or Tobiah or Dave. No. This problem comes from a completely different source. No. This problem comes from a completely different source. And you know where it came from? Well, if you want to find out, you got to listen to next week's episode. Make sure to come back. But for now... 
Stop and think how brave these people were to keep on building under the threat of death and for Nehemiah to keep pushing the project forward even though he also could have been killed. But do remember, the most important things that Nehemiah did in nearly completing this daunting task, and to even get close, think about the, the most important things that Nehemiah did. He first prayed when he faced an obstacle that seemed insurmountable. And then secondly, he rested in the fact that he was serving the awe-inspiring God, as he calls him. And he called the people to rally under this awe-inspiring God. He also knew that the good hand of the Lord was upon him, and he kept on moving forward by faith. So when he began a project, he prayed when he ran into an obstacle, and then he got the people to rest in the fact that they were serving an awe-inspiring God, and that this God's good hand is upon him. Don't give up. Never give up. Keep moving forward by faith. Man, let's all be more like Nehemiah. Thank you for listening to Bald Head Bible Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. You can comment on our Facebook page or email us at baldheadbible at gmail.com. If you would like to support this podcast, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash baldheadbible. Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life. New episodes added every week. Thank you.